This is the story of how a struggling 25-year-old writer refused to accept other people's opinions and went on to work for herself and earn $150,000 in just six months through freelancing on Fiverr. Welcome to episode 11 with the one and only Miss Alexandra Fasula. You are listening to Len Jones Party of Two, where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on TrueFace, please contact your host at ian at TrueFace.ai. Now, pay close attention, because you're going to learn today. What's up, everybody? And welcome to episode 11 of the Len Jones Party of Two podcast. And as always, you already know, it's a damn good day to have a damn good day. So if you are new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold, to educate millennials by dissecting the come up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in life that are making moves to meet all my other friends in life that are making moves to create one giant community of extraordinary people. Now, if you haven't yet heard of platforms such as Fiverr and Upwork, then you gonna learn today. Fiverr is the world's largest freelance services marketplace for lean entrepreneurs to focus on growth and create a successful business at affordable costs. The beauty is it allows freelancers to market themselves on the platform to earn money based on receiving gigs And on the flip side, entrepreneurs can hire these freelancers to perform day-to-day tasks at a super affordable price. I'm very grateful my friend Alberto, an extremely talented photographer, connected me with Alex, who I first read about through an article posted by CNBC. As you'll hear in this podcast, Alex keeps it real, and she doesn't sugarcoat her answers to tough questions. One particular thing I loved about her story is that she's very blunt about the fact that she doesn't have all the answers and she has so much more to learn, but yet she's figuring it out every day. This is important because so many of you out there will quickly look at her story from a glance and assume Alex has it all figured out. But in reality, she fails fast and absolutely grinds her face off. And I'm sure her story will strike a chord with one of you listening and inspire you to make moves on starting your own freelancing gigs. So on top of Alex starting her own personal freelancing business, where she is on track to gross more than 300K in just her third year, Alex also owns and operates a social media management company where she is able to flex her true love, which is photography. And one of my favorite parts, and I know many of you can relate, is that one of the worst jobs of her life is what ultimately made her decide to go full send into pursuing her dream and working for herself. And you gotta respect a comeback story. So if you know somebody that needs that extra kick in the ass to quit living small and to follow their dreams, then you owe it to them to share this podcast with them. And so, whether you're crushing the Stairmaster and or on your morning commute, wherever you're at, let's jump into it. We are here with Alexandra, the Alexandra Fasulo. Did I get it right? Yes, you got it right. (laughs) Alex, thank you so much for jumping on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I've heard so many good things about you. I saw your amazingly written piece. I believe it was on CNBC. Yeah, yeah. And uh, damn, girl, nice. (laughs) You're stunting right now. You have the beautiful red hair. You're living your dream right now. You're living in a beautiful apartment in New York, working from home, setting your own schedule, doing what you love to do. It seems like a lot has changed in the past year for you. Yeah, no, I mean, you're making it sound all glamorous, but uh, no, this year's been nuts because I'm finally reaping the benefits of grinding very hard at the freelance like lifestyle for over three years. So 
it's uh it's surreal but i won't say it's not deserved no (laughs) (laughs) so let's start kind of like backtrack a little bit because you know every entrepreneur has the the og story of of when you first kind of had those hints that you know one day you would want to work for yourself what was like the early life for you? Did you ever have like a side hustle? Were you flipping candy? Did you always kind of have it in your blood? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, I come from like a long line of it on both sides of my family. And I, I watched my mom growing up have like eight different art businesses. And so by the time I was like 11 or 12, I would uh, make eyeglass chains. I would bead them. I really liked beading. Um, and I started selling them to my family members at Christmas. That's great. <laughs> and a bunch of other funny little stuff like that when I was way too young to even realize what I was doing. So I think the hints were definitely always there, yeah. And then, so where'd you go to school? So I went to school at a state university in New York called Geneseo. No one, if you're not from New York, you probably don't know what it is, but it's uh, in Rochester. People might know where that is. Being from Albany is extra really cool just because I'm from Albany. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And state schools are definitely the way to go in retrospect and the amount of yeah. money you save and the education you get. I actually didn't get into Binghamton. That's where I wanted to go with my first choice. And I was like, all right, I'll settle for UNH, which was smart. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the state school system was the best thing that ever happened to me because I don't have any more student loan debt. And I feel like I got a quality education, so. Right, and I'm sure you have a lot of friends right now that are struggling in student loan debt. I have, yeah, I have a fair amount. And then I'll try and ask them if they want to go on trips with me and they can't because of their student loan. I'm like, you sh- there were state schools, come on. I know, it's a pickle our generation is in. No, I know, it's not their fault, yeah. But your story is cool because it's the story of someone that took that situation that a lot of people are in and, and you know, decided I'm going to make it my own and. I think that it's very important to note that there's a lot of really, really smart people out there in the world and a lot of very talented people. And they're currently working a job or an opportunity or a business that just isn't for them. That's not their cup of tea, you know, and it seems like you really fell into your cup of tea with what you're doing right now. And and you're really flexing your your true talent. So before we get into that, so you worked for the New York State Assembly for a little bit. Yeah, so immediately graduating college, I went to go work back in Albany because it's just, you know, what I knew. And I've always been kind of interested in politics, that type of thing, which I'm not going to get into. But I went to school for political science, so naturally I thought I'd go work at the New York State Assembly, which was great. I actually made the best friends of my life there, and I talked to all of them pretty much every single day still. But after a year and a half or so, I just felt like, so it's so cliche, but I just felt like I had more to give and I wasn't able to give it there. And it didn't really make sense. I was still only 22 at the, I graduated a year early. So I was like 22 at the time. I'm still like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but something tells me that I can do more than this. And I just kind of listened to that tug. So did you get any writing experience during that? Yeah. So I definitely couldn't be doing what I'm doing today, not having worked that job first, to be honest, because I worked as a press coordinator, which is essentially what I'm doing today now, just like privately for businesses instead of politicians. So they taught me every like press releases, Facebook posts, you know, they taught me everything that I now sell today. So um, I owe my head start to them for sure. How did you get that job originally? Uh, the assembly one? Yeah. I interned there in college. That's how I got it. So uh when I was in college, I was just kind of looking around at internships and I saw that one back home and I was like, oh, that'll work, you know, cool, whatever. Didn't really think much of it. Um, I ended up liking it. And then when I graduated, I wrote to them and they were like, yep, 
come come through. So it uh, just happened that way. I didn't really apply anywhere else upon graduating. Yeah. The next part of my story, when I went down to New York City, I had to apply to like, I'm not exaggerating, 300 different PR places for one of them to respond back to me. But that's New York for you. So you were working that job. And did you hit a point where you just kind of like walked? You're like, I can't do this anymore. Or was it like you had previously found a job already? Like, how did that transition work? Yeah, no, the assembly one, I wasn't at a point where I hated my life or anything. I just started applying to New York places just to see like if I could do it or not. Because you know, you're from Albany, like, well, I mean, well, you're in California now, but a lot of Albanians like want to see if they can like make the New York City jump because it's only two and a half hours away. Like it's not that far away. So I started applying to places and no one would answer me or anything. And one day I got on LinkedIn and I started like direct messaging people at this one PR firm aggressively until one girl finally answered me and gave me an interview. And then once I had secured that job, then I left the assembly. But it wasn't a big like F you guys like drop the box on the ground now no what you just hit on is such gold right there because like your typical way of applying for jobs I feel like that's like it's dead it's dead oh totally yeah so like where you just basically hit ad friend you would write a note to that ad friend thing just being like xyz if they'd accept you then you just hammer on with messages yeah I, you know LinkedIn wasn't the same back I say back then like I'm you know, 50, but LinkedIn was not the same as it is today. Like it's gotten so spammy not to hate on it or anything. But back then you could direct, it was like easier to connect with people and people did read your messages more than I think they do today because my LinkedIn is so harassed every single day after that CNBC article that I do not read anything on it anymore. But back then it hadn't got so spammy yet. So I think I had it easier than if I tried to do that today. So you're working at that job in down there and then did you just like move in with a friend to make ends meet originally yeah so when i moved down to the city i moved in with a friend i had like kind of known from almond i didn't know her too well but i was just like winging it with everything so you know i always liked her so there were other two other roommates with us too so i lived in a part of brooklyn that was like a little shocking to me honestly at first because i straight up come from a farm and i went to school out in farmland so it was like in the actual party capital of New York City, like where all the underground partying is going on and stuff. And I sound like such a loser. But at the time I was like, okay, whoa, whoa. And it was like, just a definitely like a culture shock of everything all at once for me, like the new, the new job. And, you know, in New York, people expect you to work 12 hours every day and not pay you for it. Like, like, and if you have a problem, they'll replace you with 80 people down the street. So all of it was very shocking. Like the second I got there, I was like, I don't think I want to live here. I don't like this job. Like it all happened very quick. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I can't do this. Like I'm, I'm supposed to just own ponies and chickens. Like who do I think I am? Like that was just like running through my brain. So you just got burnt out real quick. Yeah. I mean, I, well, see, and, and I never, so I can still trash it, I guess. Cause I'm not going to name the place <laughs> and I'm sure I'm blacklisted there on some board, but um, I absolutely hated this PR firm I was working at. Like I, if you knew me and I, people are only hearing my voice right now. Like I am not someone who cries and I do not cry in public. Like I am a very type a show, no weakness type of person. And I was sobbing on my keyboard every day. Cause I was so, I, I texted my mom one day and I said, mom, I feel like I'm like a fairy in a cage and they're plucking my wings off of me. Like it was so terrible. And they led me to believe that I was assuming a position as a writer and and I have to do something creative every day. And I now know this, or I feel like I'm dying. 
and they kind of didn't tell me this, but I got there and they just basically wanted me to do like secretarial work, which I'm terrible at. Um, so I like respect people who are good at that stuff. Cause I'm very bad at it. And like, they put me in a desk facing the wall and it, it was just, yeah, no light. It was so terrible that after I only made it four weeks before, and I didn't even go in to say I quit. I sent them all an email. Cause I just, my feet like wouldn't let me walk in the building that Monday. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to have a mental breakdown if I walk in here. And I don't like quit things. You know, I'm, I, I was like, who am I? What am I doing? I texted my mom. I was like, mom, I just quit. Sorry. And she just sent back like, oh, okay. Like, okay. You know, do your thing. And I had definitely like a mentally unstable day that day. And I went to three different museums in New York City because I come from artists. So I like to look at art and all that good stuff. So I just had a me day. Um, and I was, you know, obviously flipping out because I have like, I have no money. I'm going to have to move back home. People are going to make fun of me. Little small town girl who failed, like all this stuff. So then that night was when like I sat down and I was like, okay, I can either accept failure here or do something about it. And it ended up being like the best thing that's ever happened to me, choosing to do that. It's crazy how like that, um, the thought process, because I remember feeling that way too when I was 20 years old and I first got involved in network marketing, like the feeling of being a failure in yeah. front of your friends, especially once you, you know, you said anytime you go out and start a business or do anything and then you fail, you feel like the world's coming to an end, but it's also right. one of the greatest drivers to make moves. So at that point, you're like, all right, F this, I'm out. I'm just going to tour a bunch of museums, do my thing. And then at what point are you like, what can I do? Did you like, was the idea of Fiverr even an idea at that point? Or did someone like say something to you? Or were you playing in that space for a while or what? So my, my mom actually brought Fiverr up to me about a year before and she had heard about it through one of her friends. And she said, hey, you know, check out the site. You can maybe make a little side cash at your job or whatever. Um, so I had one gig they're called on Fiverr, which is a service you offer. I offered editing for $5, like no money for a couple months or like for like half a year. I didn't take it very seriously at all. I was making like $35 a month from it, but I thought it was cool because I had a salary. So I was like, Oh, I can buy a new pair of jeans with this side money. This is sick. Um, but I didn't know much about Fiverr. I didn't know really what it could do for me until like that moment came where it was like do or die and so it, i didn't know i didn't just like see the ad in the subway which they're everywhere here i i didn't have that i didn't know of it but i really didn't know what it could do for me so you just made an account and then you listed what what was the service you listed i i think i still have it like buried in my old gigs it just said like i will professionally edit a piece of content for you and I just had a flat rate of $5, which is so cheap. Like I was editing 2000 words. A time. Like I was doing nothing for no money basically. But when I had that day, when I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, okay, let's think about the things in my life that I know that can technically make me some money. And it came to mind, you know, quickly that night where I was like, okay, let's do this. Do you remember the first person that first, the first $5 or the first thing that came through? You know, I actually don't. I wish I did. Um, I really don't. I think it was just some nice, you know, typically with the editing orders, it's actually foreign buyers normally. They want to help with their English. So I do remember it was definitely a European and it was a he. And I just remember he was very nice and left me a five-star review, which is everything on that site. So 
at the time though, I didn't know Fiverr was going to be so important in my life. So, like my username is silly. It still is. It's Fazwaldo. Like I didn't know that these reviews, you know, I take the reviews so seriously today, but back then I didn't at all. And, you know, luckily people were, I guess I was still doing a good job because people left me five star reviews. So right, I'm seeing some foreshadowing like five years down the road for you when you create and write a, a film or a play called Fizzwaldo. I know. <laughs> the story from 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 zero to 2000 real quick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always like I joke in the ebook I wrote about all this. Now I, I say like in the first chapter, I'm like, do not make your username something stupid like you will regret it. And I can't change it. I'm branded as it, so I can't change it now. And it's silly. It's a cool name, though. I mean, I'm feeling it. Fiswaldo. And plus, your hair is great, too. So it's yeah. eccentric. It makes you stand out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that is true. But I do have people, though, write like, hi, Miss Fiswaldo. And I'm like, you can call me Alex. It's really okay. <laughs> That's great. All right. So you're so you're doing that. You you put the post up. You get one or two inquiries. Most people that they get started in entrepreneurship, they dip their toes into something, and then all of a sudden they realize that the water's warm and there's an opportunity here. At what point did Fiverr become something that truly became an opportunity to you? Um, it happened pretty quickly, honestly, that night, and it was it was like December seventh or something. I honestly remember the day. It was of last year. Oh no, it was three. It was, uh, of 2015, 2016, 2015. I can't remember anymore. I think 2015 it was a oh, right before. Yeah. Right before 2016. Um, I was sitting, I still remember I was sitting in my room in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and it was like 11 PM and I opened up my laptop and I just was like, I might've even been talking out loud to myself cause I was freaking out. And I think I just said like, it's, it's go time. Like, here we go. And I stayed up all night stalking all of the other people on there, what they were selling, how much they were selling it for, how long they had been on there. Like I was like such a stalker by morning. I was like, okay, I'm going to open four more gigs at this rate. Cause I think this is what's can work based on my competition, blah, blah, blah. And really within a few days, orders started coming in. Now I was charging still nothing, um, which I always tell people now because I charge a lot now and they're like, oh, life must be so good. And it's like, you have no idea what I did for no money for so long. But that's what you have to do, especially on Fiverr, because it used to be based on $5. That's why it's five Fiverr. Now they're trying to get away from it now. But back then I had to keep it cheap. So um, pretty quickly orders did start coming in. And then I remember it was like come February was like the first day that I made about my first like full 100 that day on it, which to me was like, I was so grateful for that. I was like, Oh my, I remember that night. I was like, I want to go out to dinner. I made a hundred dollars from my laptop. Like, this is crazy. That's awesome. Like, I think I can do this, you know? And Luckily in Bushwick, my rent was not a lot like compared to where I live in Brooklyn now. It's a lot, but back then it wasn't. So I was like, if I make a hundred dollars a day, I can stay here. I don't have to leave. So this could work. And next thing I knew, like by March, it was almost getting so busy. I couldn't even handle it anymore, which is amazing. And I would just, I would work all day and all night. Like I'd go sit at Starbucks all night. Or there was one that was like open to 1am. I'd sit there. And just work, 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 work. Did the Starbucks people get to know you at that point? You know, yeah, they kind of did. Although I'm actually not a coffee drinker, so I feel really bad because I would have the time not buy anything. But I became like this person at the Starbucks. I don't know. There was a few times that people would be like really rude to other people there. And I took, I like would take it personally because it was my Starbucks. 
So there were a few times I like told people off on behalf of other people because they were being like so mean to the cashier. And I would say like, excuse you. Because I was like, this is my squad. Like, I can't tolerate this. That's great. <laughs> but um, the only thing with like the Starbucks thing is as my orders, as I started charging more and they started getting a little more pressure filled, I now need to work in quiet because the pressure is on for what I'm charging. So I eventually couldn't do Starbucks anymore, but that was that was a big part of 2016 with Starbucks. Nice. So that that first year of doing it, I think I read in that article you made like over 30 grand. Yeah, the the first year I made like 40 grand until I mean, that's without taxes, I think. Or I yeah, nothing nothing like amazing or anything now. But enough to not leave. Yeah, enough to not leave. That's awesome. I mean, you're working from home. Do you, do you work in your pajamas? Like what's your what do you what do you rock when you work? Um, yeah, I have like I'm weird. I'm one of those freelancers. People always ask me this. I feel like I'm such a letdown, but I'm still such a scheduled type of person. So it's like, even though I can make my schedule, I still keep the same one every single day. And that is that I immediately get to work when I wake up. I'm not like an open the newspaper coffee. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Cause otherwise I have too like the work piles up. I sit in my pajamas working head down from like 7am till noon. Like do not talk to me. And then at noon, I go to the gym because I need to move at that point. I feel gross. So I go to the gym, make lunch, take a shower, and then I try and not look terrible for the rest of the day <laughs> by like 3 p.m. That's great. So you just get out of bed and just get grinding. That's that's important. I mean, a lot of people swear by their morning routines. I still feel like my needs to get better, especially because like I know it's not good to look at your phone as soon as you wake up and right before you go to bed, but I've not figured out how not to do that yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I look at mine, you know, I can't help it. I mean, I have, I look at it as like business related, even though I'm still obviously on Instagram right. and everything, but I don't see anything wrong with it yet. Or I still try to make sure I read and, and not just do the phone. So from there, it, you feel like the reviews, is that the name of the game in Fiverr? Yeah, it is. Like if I had to say one, yeah, it's all about the reviews. And I have an advantage now having been with them for almost four years that I have, I think I'm up to 3,400 reviews. And my av my five-star average is so deep that when I get a cranky person, every 15 or so people can be not the nicest and they leave me a really bad review. It doesn't even come close to messing with the 3,500-star average. So I at least don't have that, that pressure anymore. But... Um, I mean, people only message me on there like they do because they see my reviews. That's It's like Airbnb or Yelp. You know, you're not going to go to the one-star restaurant, even though I do feel bad. I mean, as someone who's at the mercy of reviews, I do understand how warped it can be. But at the same time, I'm a millennial. And if I see your Airbnb has a two-star review, I don't want to know why, you know? It's yeah, like for sure. So you, the, the review game has put you in a position on top of your just like absolute grind because i mean let's face it like you have an incredible work ethic i mean the fact that you can go heads down like that that's that's very special but there's got to be something beyond just a need for money with there because i feel like you definitely are passionate about it seems like just from listening to you in our offline conversations you seem very like you're, you're competing against yourself and it seems like that just pushes you and pushes you because at the, you know, just the kind of snapshot, it seems that, you know, the, the big CNBC article says, you know, Alex makes 150K in six months on Fiverr. Did you ever see, did you see yourself in that position, you know, 
two years ago? Never, never, ever, ever, ever. Like never. I don't believe it still. And, and I always tell people, cause now the jokes come flying at me, of course, from people I know and stuff. Cause everyone, I always joke to my mom. I was like, everyone definitely thinks that I just sit home and like talk about writing, but probably don't and probably don't make any money. <laughs> And then I could tell when this article came out, a lot of people close to me were just kind of like, oh, like you're actually doing something when you don't go into a job every day. I was like, yeah, <laughs> all these years I've been typing away. Like I don't have carpal tunnel flaring in my wrist for no reason. <laughs> so I mean, no, I never, I never ever imagined it. Like when I made that first 40K that year, my goal, my goal is always to reach for more and do more like every classic entrepreneur. Like I'm never, it's never enough. Like I have to keep going. So then the next year I made 80K and I was like, this is amazing. My goal would be to make 100K. And then everything changed when Fiverr introduced Fiverr Pro, which is a special top 1%. You get a little ribbon on your profile and you're allowed to charge a lot and all this stuff. And this happened April, 2017. They didn't even tell me they picked me for it. They just had me show up somewhere in Brooklyn at a warehouse for a commercial. I'm like, okay, I'll go. Cause like, I'm always a believer of like, no publicity is bad publicity. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And then I get there and they're like, okay, you know what the commercials for? I was like, no, <laughs> what? And they like, they told me about it in one minute. And like my mind was trying to process like how much my life was about to change. And they're like, okay, sit down and say these lines, please. And I was like, what? And I remember after I was like shaking, I couldn't believe it that I couldn't, my mind couldn't understand how much more money I was about to make. It just like, didn't make sense to my brain that I was going to go from making 80 K to then like this year making 300 K it's like so much more money that I don't even understand it yet. And I joke to people cause I'm just saving all of it. I get so many financial planners on my LinkedIn every day. Cause in the CNBC article, they mentioned that I said like, I'm just saving it. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, I just tried buying some stocks for the first time two weeks ago. Like I'm, tr I'm trying with it. Cause I don't even, it's still like, I don't consider myself someone who makes that money. If that makes any sense. I'm still like the girl, like the hustler in the corner at Starbucks making 50 K in my brain. So it's just weird to me in a good way, like a good weird. But that's really interesting. So I I'm very curious about, so a lot of these requests, you have these inbound requests coming in and then you know how much work it takes to put in these requests. Do you spend a lot of time just answering messages, sending messages back, coordinating at what amount of time is it compared to the time you actually work? Would you say? So today I spend more time than ever before on customer service because that is the stress that comes with these high price tags is everyone expects you to hold their hand for, you know, through everything because they paid you for that. So now when I wake up in the morning, the first full hour is just me answering my messages. I'll get about 30 in the night from people. And, you know, I can't, I don't just answer, they're not just yes or no questions. I have to sell, I'm constantly selling myself. So I'm just like, this is what I, but I offer this bulk package, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, so I sell people for like an hour. And then I would say throughout the day, I devote probably two to three more hours, honestly, of, of catering to people and their requests and their questions and their revisions and everything. So I would say I'm up to three to four hours per day just on customer service, which is definitely not sustainable because it, it, it can be a little psychologically, uh, I don't want to say abusive and like not sound grateful for all of this because I am, but it's, it can be a lot, you know, when it's just you against the world, you're not working for a company that's like protecting you or anything. It's just you and people flipping out because they don't like what you just wrote for them, even though it took right. you four days, you know? 
So that's the downside of like how, how much I am doing right now. But I mean, back in the day, I would say it was only one to two hours per day of it. Cause if you're charging only $15 for a press release, like they're not, no one's going to bug you. They're just going to say, okay, whatever she tried and go on. But when you charge $150, people want it to be perfect. So I'm up to, I would say four hours a day today, which can make it hard. Sometimes when I wake up, if I am having a bad day, which I consider a bad day when more than two people are requesting revisions because then it's like free work, even though I can't not include them because I want five-star reviews. See, that's like the whole thing. So if I just shut the order down on them, they would leave me a bad review. I have to enable them to make changes with me. So if I wake up, sometimes if I wake up and like five of the projects have revisions, that's like a whole extra hour I didn't account for that day that I have to work for free technically although you know i just have to look at the initial price tag covering all of it but and i end up still putting in a fair amount of hours for what i'm charging i definitely think my prices are still fair but it's you know it's amy my i always i was you know saying to my mom like mom this is so tough blah 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 my mom's like hey if you're gonna you know make two million dollars a year like the stakes are gonna get higher you know you don't just make that money and have it be easy. Every level has a new devil. Totally. And I now see that. Of course, I see with everything, it becomes more, you know, lose a little sleep at night status. So last night I was on a flight home from Minneapolis and I re-listened to Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Have you read that? No, but I, I feel like I want to because I think you've mentioned it a few times. So now I feel like I should. It's, it's a good one. Um, besides think and grow rich, that's like the ultimate in just human growth. But uh, he talks about virtual assistants and just like how unreal they can be and, and life changing. And clearly, um, you're the type of person that's really good at like, you know, organizing your thoughts and, and being able to portray things pretty clearly. But he was talking about how just now more than ever, it is just so possible to be able to outsource so much of your troubles and headaches. And just like even when we start thinking about this, it seems like so appropriate have you ever thought about having a virtual assistant handle all of the actual like talking to the clients day to day transactions? Yeah, so I'm definitely I'm at a point with all of it where I want to scale. But what is so hard about it is I don't want I would never give my fiber password literally to anyone but like my mom or my sister at this point, because that it's like it's it's one password between nothing and like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Yes, in theory, I would love to have someone helping me organize things like that. But for right now, I just couldn't open up the account to someone like that. Like, I just couldn't. That would make me lose even more sleep, you know? Right. But yeah. I mean, I've been debating having someone. And I, I like to work with people that I know well um, and not just some random person around the world. Not saying even though I'm sure they do a great job. I'm just like old school like that. So I want, I've been thinking more about people that I know and having someone that I could possibly see in person every so time, every so often. And, um, you know, use Slack. I'm a fan of Slack, that messaging platform. Um, something where I would still have to deliver all the initial projects. Cause I don't want anyone going into any of my accounts. Just, I just don't, but then if I had like an account manager type person, then whose responsibility it was to take said projects and then sprinkle them downhill, maybe to one or two writers and then have them be in charge of proofing it one more time before they give it back to me or that type of thing. But it takes more work than just letting them go in the account. But I just, I just can't 
let anyone go For everyone that's listening, what's really cool about hearing you talk through these is that you're still learning. You know, this is all a huge learning process. I mean, like you look at the income you're making and that's, you know, what some people will work at a company for 30 years and they'll start making that type of income. Um, But nowadays with social media and that we can talk to anyone in the world, I mean, you're, you're, your numbers can scale so quick, but you're just still learning and it's a process. And, you know, sometimes I bet you got to look yourself in the mirror and not be too hard on yourself because, you know, you're only one or two tweaks away from increasing your income tenfold, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely, it's, I know like the natural next step is scaling and, and I know that and I, it's, um, I've talked with so many people here about it. It's like specifically this niche that I'm in is difficult you know, to, it's not like I have a, a e-commerce store and I need my manufacturer to just make more volume or something like it's, I, it's tough. It's like, I make the money I make because of the written content I produce, which is not easy to come by today, honestly, you know? And that's what we talked about offline a little bit about you. I was saying like, do you have trouble, you know, hiring or necessarily having people work with you? And if you do, what is it that you have found in your experience? I mean, it's only been three years, but uh, in your experience, what qualities are you looking for that stand out to you for someone to find extraordinary talent? Um, so I've I've been through a bunch, just like kind of testing the waters. And um, I have one right now who's been with me since December, but I keep it on the DL because I haven't really broadcasted that. So I won't talk much about who this mysterious figure is, but... The most important thing to me, if I'm going to work with you or whatever, is just being like a hard worker and just will, like willing to learn, basically. And be like, it's it's not even like I'm pure talent. It needs to be someone who's grateful, is not going to complain. And if I'm going to suggest they write something differently, they say, okay, and, and go on with it. And are obviously complete things in a timely fashion right but it's to me it's not like they don't need to be the neck you know they don't need to be a poet or like any of these special things i don't care about the fancy honestly like i don't really care what their resume looks like from what i've encountered though some of the people who sent me the most impressive resumes were the biggest letdown so it's i don't care what your resume looks like really i don't even care if you didn't go to college if you can write english coherently and well and you have a knack for it and people want to buy it then works for me. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Do you think that you're kind of a freak of nature with your ability to write as fast as you can and efficiently as you can? Or do you think you're duplicatable? Um, from my experience, I think I'm a freak of nature. But <laughs> the human who is working with me, I can see how much they have, uh, how far they've come and how much more efficient they have become. And, and I didn't start out like this. Like when I first started doing this back in that winter, I was freaking out because I couldn't handle all of the orders I was getting. I didn't have the discipline for this. I didn't know how to write words as fast as I know how to write them today. So it's definitely been like a four year coming thing. So the the pace that I write now is superhuman, but I wouldn't, I don't think I was born superhuman. You know, I think I just was obsessed with it for so long that I could do it while I'm asleep now type of thing. So I have faith basically that there are other people out there who can work with me, but I do have to, I do understand that I'm going to have to put in time with them because I didn't come like this either. So, so what would be like your superhuman Marvel name for your character? The, the girl that can bang out seven or eight orders a day. <laughs> um, 
Oh God. I'm so not a superhero person. I'm like a Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings person. I don't know. Oh man, Jakaris. Yeah, like exactly. That's me. You do have a Khaleesi flow going on. I mean, no, that would be amazing. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I'm obsessed. Yeah. Oh, I, for every Halloween for like four years, have been Lady Melisandre. Really? <laughs> yeah. I just, I like works with the hair and I get the necklace and for stuff. For sure. So in terms of Fiverr, in terms of these different platforms, so obviously another one that's pretty you know, popular is Upwork is a pretty good one for like finding virtual assistants. Are there other platforms you recommend besides Fiverr or things that you've dipped your toes in? Um, the only other one I've tried is Upwork. So I kind of, I'm like a bad example because I feel like most people in my case would shop elsewhere. But honestly, the volume that Fiverr has been delivering me since that day one has been so much that it takes up my entire day and I don't have time to go shop around. So if anyone else finds any good ones, you know, Feel free to shoot me a message, but I personally like Fiverr significantly more than Upwork because on Upwork, you have to ap apply to get projects. So like I was writing things for free for people and then they'd be like, oh, we're not going to pick you. I'd be like, what? Like I just, what? Whereas on Fiverr, they come to you because of your reviews. You know what I mean? So like it's easier to get business. Although you, I, you, I know you can charge more on Upwork because it has like a more of a luxury title, but I'm just more of a like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. And for me, that's just been Fiverr. So do you make a lot of um, connections with people? Like even in my experience, when I hired some virtual assistants to do some like video work and some other stuff with me, a lot of times I would pay them on Upwork and then I would just take it offline immediately. And then we would just start like a working PayPal relationship. Is that something you do with your clients? Um, So people all the time want to do that because Fiverr takes a percentage out. And I used to try and do that with them, but it I I don't like it. I like on Fiverr. I have a timer. It has to be delivered. Fiverr is still the third-party dispute. You know, even though I lose some funds, I just prefer it because since I'm doing so many other orders through Fiverr that if I have that random one in my email inbox, it takes a back seat. You know, and it's nice, like yeah. every I want to be fair to everyone, so it's like they kind of have to get in my queue, basically if they want it, you know what I mean? But right. I do other stuff besides writing. So like I do some social media management for select people mm -hmm. and that type of thing. And I do every, all the other business things I do, I do through my email. So I like to keep the two separate for like my head. Let's talk about that. So you'd think that after everything we just said, you're like, you're flat out. I mean, you're just grinding, doing all these orders. So you have a social media management company. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so I created that along the same time as Fiverr when I didn't know what I was going to do. And I did it pretty seriously for about a year and a half. But I just was like, this isn't for me. It's not in the same way that writing was. So I still have it. I still have the name. I still have a couple clients who have hung in there with me. But I've more so changed it now to like content marketing. I like slowly changing all the wording on it instead of really managing social media accounts i just it, that wasn't my forte so i'm trying to move more so into on my site selling my writing and you know photography product shots not that type of more content curating whatever um than what it used to be which it used to be straight up social media marketing i had like 30 clients at one point back when i was flipping out so i was doing that with fiverr at the same time but I must admit, ever since all of this has happened, Fiverr has made me more money every month than any other thing I've ever dabbled in. So it still reigns supreme. You're big into photography? Yes. I mean, I'm trying to, I will not sit here and say I'm a photographer because I know there's serious judgment that can come with that. People go to my Instagram right now and go, oh, please. 
But I've always loved it. I love taking pictures of other people. You can go look at like my sister's account or my roommate's account. I make my roommate model all the time. It's like my favorite thing is to make people pose. Um, I don't like having pictures taken of me, but I like taking pictures of other people. Um, I just got a really nice camera this week. I should know the name of it. It's like the Canon Mark D two six, whatever it is. Something. And I've been taking, I took like 4,000 photos this week with it. Um, I don't think I would ever call myself like start a photography business. I don't think I'm educated enough in it. I just like it as an artistic outlet and it's nice because it's necessary for any type of business thing ever right now. So it's, it's good to like, for me to keep up on it. And I do photography for my sister and my mom's businesses and that type of thing. And anyone I know who needs street shots or, um, a lot of kids from my high school are down here like acting or modeling. I'll help them out. Maybe one day I'll need their help. Who knows? You know? Yeah. It's a cool passion of yours. I mean, I feel like a lot of the times it's easy to get wrapped up in wanting to make more money because obviously when we make a lot of money, we get rid of the financial burdens that just strangle us in life. But the idea of becoming financially successful, a lot of that people lose sight of, you know, the whole goal of is to be able to have time to do the things you love. So it's cool that like you keep those things close to you because like, you know, that you're in a position now that you can take a, a week or two off if you wanted to, if you're, if your discipline allows that. Yeah, I know that's an issue of mine as well is that I, I'll have to work on this, but I do not take a day off and I, I can still travel and work. That's the problem. So it's like, I still try, I love traveling and I'll travel, but I, it's like, I, you know, and I'm sure you know this and anyone listening to this, it's like, how do you close your laptop? to people who want to pay you like $2,000 that weekend. Like what, how you just say, no, I'm good. Even, you know what I mean? It's like the trap of it. And, and I have to definitely work on it. So I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, I have this all figured out. I do not, but I'm sure you'll over the next like two or three years, you'll hit a point where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go on a full travel binge. And if you do, I yeah, highly I know. I mean, recommend Colombia. Yeah, I know. I just saw on your I saw on your Facebook profile today. I was like, interesting. That was not on my list, but it can be added. Like at your income level, living in Colombia, like your dollar goes very far, and it's just a very interesting, beautiful culture and amazing people. Right, that's everyone. I know so many people who like they go to Bali every February, and and you can work remote. Yeah, no, I know. You know, it's like sometimes I want to just get up and go travel for three months. But then the other part of me likes to still have a routine and be here in the city. And, you know, a lot of like a lot of what I have now is because I've hung around New York City for a few years. So I also need like I don't like to travel alone and I don't really know anyone else who's in like the position that I'm in. So I'm always trying to force people to come with me. But hard. I have a good buddy, Dan Hunt, um, someone I look up to so much, He's an incredible entrepreneur, human all around and. He was saying how a lot of the people that are digital nomads or world travelers and blog about their lives and all these beautiful places all over the world and other people very quickly will look at those people and be like, oh, my God, they're living life like they're doing it better than anybody. And it's really I mean, I do it. I'm sure everyone does it. And they think, wow, if only I was just doing that, I would be so much more happier. And he was saying that there's actually been like a lot of studies and findings in that. You know, you have to be in one area for a long time in order to truly make it a community. So a lot of these people that are traveling all the time actually are some of the most lonely people in the world because they're not able to be with people long enough to really build long term, like deep friendships and communities. And 
I mean, for me personally, I don't know like what brings me more joy than being around like my best friends who like I love, who I get to see all the time, like in terms of like, you know, happiness jolts. This is off topic, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm such an extrovert. Like if I ever travel anywhere, the first thing I want to do is like share my pictures with people who are like the ha- like my happiness comes from people. So and I'm like, I'm a very strong, like family person and my sister's here in the city and stuff. So it's like, I don't have a desire to just get up and go for a year and leave everyone behind type of thing. But I also at the same time do recognize like my unique situation and my age. And you know, one day when you have kids, like you can't do this anymore. So I definitely before I'm 30, I want to at least do a cross country, like multi-month, totally immersive thing. I want to do a backpack Europe loop and then just go to as many other places as I can before then. So next on deck is New Orleans for Halloween. That's dope. We'll definitely have you back on post that and we'll see what like life minding things have changed. Yeah, I know. No, it's it's good. I I'm always like planning what I want to do in the future. So next year I want to try and go to Coachella and Burning Man. I've never been to either of them. So I love music festivals, too. I do travel for them. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't been to nearly enough. I went to like EDC once and uh, I, I'm, I'm lacking on that front. But have you been to any of the California ones? They're like the best ones. I know. I really haven't. I've just been, you know, I would be like, well, you know, I've been working a lot, which is true. You know, we're in a pivotal. And if I live where you live, I would be going to those every single year. I'm stuck like the Northeast ones are not that good. Sorry, New York City. Like our music festivals are terrible here. But you said you wouldn't want to live where I live because you would just be too prone to go outside and enjoy. I definitely wouldn't grind as hard as I do. I'm very affected by the weather. I don't know if there's like a word for that. If it's sunny out, I have to be outside. Like I have to be. So if you could travel back in time, like three years ago, maybe when you're working that that state assembly job, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in that position, like, what would you have said to yourself now? Like, knowing what you know now three years ago, like, what are the three things you would have whispered in your ear, one thing or whatnot, that you think would have just accelerated your growth as a human? Um, Quit sooner because the rest of your life is waiting or something like that. Like, good, like do everything quicker because you have no idea what is the best is yet to come. Like, get it moving sooner. Fail fast. Yeah, yeah, or just like, you know, I would tell myself, like, leave six months sooner because then you're going to get started with what you were really meant to do six months sooner, you know, something like that. That's true. I mean, quit faster. If you, if something's not working for you, make a move, make a change. Yeah. Like, there's so many there's so many ways to make a million dollars in the world. Like, Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think I would say to myself, like, don't be afraid. Like, just do it. Just do it. You have no idea what awaits. Don't be scared of what people think about you, too. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely something I still need to work on. So it's like, I don't even know if I could tell my old self that because I am, like, weird with that today, too. I think because I'm such a, like, I value the people in my life so much that I'm naturally someone I care about what those people think of me. And I'm, like, very, I don't know what the word is for. I'm, like, a classic I'm like, if I don't know you very well, I will have no problem mowing you down. I don't care what you think of me on the sidewalk, but the people who are close to me, like I care, I'm like super sensitive to them because they're so important to me. So I would say who cares what half of them are going to say they're, 
they they know not what they say just do it the world makes like 130,000 new humans every day go find a new one to be your friend yeah yeah i mean <laughs> right and you know that's a, that's a downside of new york city it's definitely not a good friend making city people are very don't bother me here but i try my best i mean you know when you're home alone all day with your laptop you don't really meet that as many people as you'd like to for sure but you know you're doing your thing, girl. Exactly. You know, I'm almost sitting here and complaining. It is what it is. It's like nothing is perfect. So yeah, for sure. So is there any um type of audibles or books or are you big into that? Like, I'm sure you're a big reader being a good writer. Is there like certain stuff that you're into or is that not true? You're not really into reading. You just like to write. No, I like to read. Um, I, I would say I'm like an average reader. I know people who read way more than me. I think what happens to me by the end of the day is I'm so fried from reading and writing that I honestly like to just like put on Netflix, but I, I do, I read I, like anything. Like I'll read political books. I'll read um, like crime books. I'll, I love fantasy books. I actually just bought a book I'm reading called fear of flying because I hate flying. So I figured if I just learn the mechanics of an airplane, maybe I'll hate it less. So I'm reading that now. And I also, we don't have to get into this. I really like to read spiritual books and, and that type of, that's a big side of me that I leave out through all this but um I read a lot of like Christian books and stuff so <laughs> we can stop there but so uh if you if you had a spirit animal do you know what it would be definitely a cat 100% a cat because they're smart and mischievous kind of assholes but they're also like they're loyal to you I love cats. I have three cats growing up. Oh yeah, me too. I we've I've had so many cats. I have a cat. I'm surprised. I have a Siamese cat. She hasn't come out and started screaming on this. Anytime I'm on the phone, she just like screams, talks the whole time. Bengal cats are so. I love Bengals. Okay, I want one of them. Do you have one? My good friend Sierra has two, and uh, she sends me ten snap cat snaps a day. I live through her. They are beautiful, and they look less annoying than Siamese cats because. My cat never stops meowing. Like, it gets annoying. <laughs> One of my, like, personal dreams, and I'm actually going to be having this uh, I get this 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 girl on the show later, probably in a few weeks, but she my, – my, one of my dreams is to move to South Africa for, like, six months and just, like, raise a cat and, like, do whatever I can to help conservation and, like, live with, like, a tiger, a cheetah, or, like, a lion. Like, do you share something like that? Oh <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, actually, my roommate – just went to South Africa and she um, went on a safari and she she came home and cried for like six days straight to the point where I called her mom because I was like, are you going to be okay? Like, what is the matter? And she said like, she just can't explain being there, like where we all came from among the animals like free you know not in not in zoos and I'm not I grew up with horses and every other thing I've known free animals but the elephants and everything that you've only ever seen in a zoo she's like she said she's like seeing them out there where they are actually supposed to be she's like I can't even explain it you just have to go so now I, I now I guess I have to go to South Africa because I just can't understand it apparently so Word. Well, maybe we can do a dual trip to that because that would be sick. Yeah, no, I mean, I want to go. I got to finish my Fear of Flying book first. So I just I just got to get over it. But Growing up living on a farm, does that like affect the way you look at like food when it comes to like free range versus uh, just health in general and stuff? Like, did you um, yeah. did you like grow all your own food back then? I would say, I mean, for a couple of years, we had a garden where we would eat all our 
vegetables and my always we always had chickens so all my eggs were always free range chickens from the backyard and my my mom even like got into a little bit on hunting but like female hunting where like she would just kill turkeys and that's all she could handle like didn't really want to hurt any other animals so I mean I come from like kind of rugged background like that but yeah I'm a huge proponent of like I hate pesticides on my food like I just don't like that concept and what stinks about here in New York is you don't really have many options but I'm not gonna live here forever I need to have my farm like it's just the circle of life so when that happens I definitely want to be sustainable and get all of my food locally with none of the chemicals on it and all of that stuff because that's like what I came from you know right and that's like a big driving force too for I think a lot of people that are listening like Another huge benefit of, of finding a way to get yourself into a period of financial freedoms that you can afford to buy the clean stuff. Yeah, I know. Right. Because, you know, it's a lot of money. I know exactly. And like there are farmers markets right down the road for me and I try to go to them when I can here. But it's not the same as home, like upstate, where there's a farm two minutes down the road that has everything you need. At it. It's just be stupid. Like, oh, you want corn? Let me just pick it up off the stock. Like. And then I realized how spoiled I was when I come here and I miss that part of my life and not eating chemicals every single day. Well, another thing people got to do is they got to keep traveling. They got to keep moving because you don't know what you what you don't know. Like you don't know what you like and dislike. And I think a lot of the times people are actually in their dream location, but they don't know it's their dream until they travel and see the world. Like Exactly. Oh, yeah. you know, like. It's like, I feel like sometimes people get stationary way too quick. And it's like, you owe it to yourself to go around and, and see what you like and don't like before you settle. Because like, same thing with dating. And it's just in general, like, don't settle for something when you could go out and get exactly what you want, you know? Oh, I'm a huge proponent of that. Like, I'm addicted to, to trap. Like, I'm addicted to seeing more and more and more of what's out there. Because the more I see the more I'm starting to appreciate where I did come from, you know, like people call it small and you know, all the nasty nicknames for it. But as I'm seeing more in the world and stuff, I'm definitely learning like, okay, I don't want to live in a city forever. And okay. I think it is important to me that I have chickens and like, I've only come to the, those conclusions from what I've seen. So it's like, it makes you more grateful for things that you previously like took for granted definitely need to be open-minded towards everything else that's out there yeah and i love i love the quote the most expensive thing you can have in a bad economy but you could take that part out is a closed mind right yeah and i find more and more that people amaze me every single day especially because we naturally prejudge everybody it just happens you know but like just keeping an open mind to people they'll definitely blow your mind and you have blown my mind in this conversation multiple times, so I really appreciate you hopping on. But just to close out, there's uh, one thing, uh, one question that I just I love answering, and I, and I would love to hear your kind of super. You've been completely authentic this entire way. But if there's someone currently right now that's working a nine to five job somewhere and doing something that they just don't like, that might not feel like it's fulfilling to them, they're maybe have this giant dream of starting their own company, starting their own business. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they don't know where to start. Maybe they're, they don't have the money. Maybe they're just like in a rut. What would you say to that person that's thinking about taking that first step into entrepreneurship? Um, I would say, I would say figure out what your passion is, figure out what you love to do because it's going to be a bumpy and wild ride and it's going to require so much attention and dedication and everything you have that 
at least pick something that you love if you're going to do it. So it's, it's like, for me, I've always loved writing. I love creative outlet, whether it be uh, painting, like I love painting or photography, or I like to sing karaoke. I don't know if I'm too good at it, but um, for me, like I, what's your go-to song? Depends the crowd. I always have to read the crowd. Um, I go for like alto nineties songs. So like Alanis Morissette is, is generally my go-to or Avril Lavigne, but depends the crowd. I, I could get it. I could go on and on about karaoke, but I would just say like, follow your heart with what you love to do. And if you think what you love to do is stupid, like, guess again, I was just saying to my roommate the other day, like there's a guy here in New York city who is making six figures because he's branded himself as the avocado man, meaning he sources top avocados for restaurants in New York City. So it's like, if you have a dream and if there's something that you love to do and you think it's stupid, it's not. And you need to do, you need to do what you love to do because everything else is going to be difficult. Trust me. So you need to at least like what you're doing. Don't just chase a buck, like do what you love to do. And what's the quote? Do what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. It's true. You know, so it's a true quote. (laughs) And nowadays, no matter what you like, you can start a YouTube channel, you can start a following, you can start anything. You can niche it up, please. And it, right, because the world is your market today. So if you think it's weird that you want to sell the first, you know, floating plant pod, well, there's at least a million other people in the world who are going to buy it and they can find you now online. So do it. Amen. All right, Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Got it. If you ever come out to California and you want to get distracted, Santa Monica, I got a spot. <laughs> Okay. Hey, you know what? You never know. My cousin lives in San Diego. So I told her I was going to, if I go to Coachella, I'll be out that way. So oh, San Diego is the dopest, but yeah. you'll get distracted there. It's just perfect every day. Oh yeah. No, it's vacation. When I go, it's pure vacation. So, <laughs> all right. With that said, how can people follow you on like social media or anything? So I always tell people, follow me on Instagram. It's just my full name, which I understand can be a little annoying. It's Alexandra, which is easy. And then my last name, Fasulo. So that's me. I can spell if you want. F-A-S-U-L-O. There's, it, It's not common. So if you can kind of get it right, I should come up. And if you want any copywriting, copy editing, or just want to know more about Fiverr, whatever, I wrote an ebook about it. So find me on Fiverr. It's just fiverr.com slash Fuzwaldo. That's your F-A- superhero name. F-A-S, yeah. That, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. So, and it's spelled F-A-S Waldo. So it's like half of my last name plus Waldo. There I am. Beautiful. It's pretty easy to find me. I have a kind of a unique name. It's not like, you know, Aaron Smith or something. So look for the beautiful long red hair. You'll find it. Yeah. If you see red hair, you're in the right place. So. <laughs> All right, Alex. Thanks so much. Have a phenomenal day. Thank you, Ian. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.